Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> They say he's crazy, just a little bit out of whack. They call him a maniac. The Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast is a podcast from the sick mind of Steve Hudgens. Steve writes the stories and narrates them. Steve is an award-winning writer known for unpredictable scary stories with twists and turns that you won't see coming. New episodes are released every single week. You can listen to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. Find out more at www.maniacontheloose.com. That's maniacontheloose.com. Today's episode is The Right One. Written by Mark Towers and narrated by Justin Fife. 
bubbling, blood-filled screams surround us as the permanence of flesh-tearing, limb-snapping sounds bore their way through into my mind. This is Halloween. This is hell, and this is what he promised. The barn groans as the wind howls outside, but no gust, no matter how strong, can claim to move the wood in such a way. My father built this place, withstood a hurricane and an attempt to burn it down. No, this place is crying for the victims, undoubtedly a virgin to such horrors that are happening up those steps. My parents and older brother sit huddled on the couch opposite, pleading and sobbing. I clench the handle of the knife tightly, wishing it all to be over. Thunder crashes around us, and instantaneous lightning basks the room in paleness, highlighting further the blood that spills down the walls. I watch two viscous drops of red slowly making their way down the window pane. My money is on the one on the right. My mind provides a flashback of father's car on the way to camp. Long journeys spent lying across the back seat, watching the trees blur into one. Warm and sleepy, sometimes struggling to keep my eyes open, I used to bet on which raindrop would make it down the window first. I always chose the one on the right. What creatures of habit we are. The canopy gradually thickened as we approached our destination, and my mind used to project images of what might be concealed behind the tree line. It was always the same beast, the one that used to visit me in my sleep when I was younger, a carnivorous creature, half human, half beast, panting its smoky breath and sniffing the air for the smell of human flesh. It had long spindly legs, a sinewy body covered in short black hairs, and an elongated mouth full of razor-sharp teeth. Sometimes I thought I saw its red eyes flashing in and out of the woody darkness, but put that down to watching too many scary movies. For safety, the location of the camp would change frequently, but was usually a large clearing in a forest, packed with around 40 tents of all different shapes and sizes. People were dressed in white robes and smiles, and from the first gathering we attended, they made us feel like royalty. Nothing too much trouble. The whole thing stifled me immediately. Hairs prickled on the back of my neck, and I got a nicky feeling in my stomach, just like the first time I was made to attend church. That first night at camp when the moon came up, we began to gather in front of the small stage area. People began to pray, and mom and dad were keen to join in. My brother reluctantly so. I just watched, nervously waiting for this figure of worship to emerge. As soon as the microphone gave out its initial squeal, anticipation gave rise to a wave of nervous laughter and chatter. And then old blue eyes swaggered onto the stage. David Weber. The explosion above the house makes me jump as another stark bolt of lightning exposes my family's terror-stricken faces. There's a disconnect as we make eye contact, though, and I don't feel like I know I should. My brother was a tag-along like me. He was reluctant at first, but finally succumbed to being just another pawn like the others. 
Mother and father, however, became smitten with David immediately, hypnotized by his charisma and irrepressible zest for life. It's easy to understand his appeal. My parents are underachievers, weak, God-fearing people, dwelling in their failures and insecurities. My mother was the worst, giving out regular beatings, telling us they were sent from the Lord, while my father stood sheepishly in the corner watching. As soon as David placed his hand on my shoulder that first night, I knew he wasn't who he claimed to be. He crouched next to me and whispered in my ear, You can smell it, can't you? All the goodness. Another bolt lights up the room, just in time for me to see a thick red splatter splash across my brother's cheek. I expect him to start sobbing, but he bites into his lip and screws his eyes tightly shut. Shallow cries and whimpers continue from above, less frequent and with resigned perfunctory. He's getting through them quickly. I can hear him hungrily chewing through body parts, and there's the occasional sucking sound as though he's leaving no flesh on the bones. Soon, he will come downstairs. They all loved David. He was everything they weren't. Collected, self-confident, and with unparalleled inner strength. I remember so vividly the first time I laid eyes on him. It was the middle of summer. My mother opened the door to a smile as bright as the sun and eyes as blue as the surrounding sky. He promised my parents guidance, a path to serenity, and the end of the fucking rainbow. He said he could take them closer to God than any church could. The camp seemed above board at first. Prayer groups, work sharing, and late nights around the fire singing hymns to poorly played guitars into the early hours. But over time, he slowly indoctrinated people into his systematic beliefs. The drugs started soon after. And before long, they were even weaker than before. Drifters floating on his every word. People used to travel for miles. Belongings and kids shoved into the back of cars, chasing this so-called utopia promised by strangers at the door. The camps became overcrowded quickly. My father was a builder before he gave his life away. He built his barn for David as a bigger venue for the prayer group. We had a big opening celebration, and David blessed the building. Things carried on as usual for a while, until folks in town got word of a cult and tried to burn the place down. Strangest thing, though, the place wouldn't burn. There was a ring of charred grass around the building, but not one board so much as charred. And then we had the hurricane, took most of the town with it, but not this place. His disciples became more and more brainwashed over time, devoted and eager to please. Classes became more frequent, and many hours a day were spent praying. He added special adult sessions a few days a week. I sneaked a look through the small gap in the barn door one day saw them all naked and writhing against each other on a blanket of white robes. David was stood at the makeshift altar while mom and dad took turns in pleasing him. He waved at me as though we'd just seen each other on the street. 
The noise is beginning to dampen upstairs now. It's nearly time. My family is shivering on the couch opposite, stringy saliva and snot dripping from their vile holes. They're so damned weak. David has been planning this day since he first set up the camps. He told me all the many different interpretations of Halloween that have been conjured throughout time. For him, though, it was a day to show his loyalty and devotion to his true master. Death, carnage, sacrifice is what Halloween is all about. I turned my attention upstairs to see him leaning against the banister in all his glory. A smile stretched across his wolf-like face. Muscles throb with adrenaline under the coarse black hair, and his serrated teeth are stained with the blood of his disciples. His red eyes still look hungry. This true form is magnificent, and I much prefer him this way. He's promised me power, that one day I can be like him, and after today I too will have earned the right to speak the master's name freely. He jumps down to the center of the room and begins to saunter, hooves clopping ominously towards my family. Pitiful moans induce only a flicker of emotion, almost a memory of caring. But it's quickly overridden by awe as the beast rears up, displaying its majestic savagery. He knew I was the right one. That's why we were the only ones to get a personal visit. He'd been watching me for some time, even visiting me in dreams on occasion, which explains a lot. His disciples were sent to recruit the others, wasters convincing other wasters to jump on promises and the chance of a new life. And like someone fattening up a turkey for Christmas, David fed them goodness until they were all stuffed full of it. It made the meal even sweeter and was one in the eye for God at the same time. I used to wonder why he never ate. He would just sit there smiling through dinner. That takes a real commitment, real strength, staving off appetite for the one big day of the year. The rest of us ate like kings and queens, unless we accidentally orated one of our old names, in which case we would be locked away for the day without food. David took me under his wing, not like the others, though. I could see his true evil, and he could see mine. He saw the hatred that I harbored for my God-fearing family, for the weakness they represented. And on only the second day, he told me his plans. I wanted in, and I suppose this is judgment day for me. Which one first? Fear pours from each of them in abundance as I study them one by one. David says if you concentrate, you can smell it and even absorb it. But I will learn over time. My eyes pass from my father to my mother and then to my brother. The one on the right, I say. He grabs my brother by the arm and escorts him across. There's no kicking or screaming, just whimpers and a damp patch extending across his green pants. As I look my brother in the eye, something registers deep within me but I write it off as pity over anything else. Perhaps that's why I chose him first. No, that's not true. It was just habit. David holds my brother's head back, exposing the smooth flesh underneath. 
I ready myself. And in it goes. The knife gets stuck halfway. I think I might have done it wrong. He's choking and wheezing, blood spraying across my face, some of it entering through my open mouth. The taste. It's not unpleasant, sweeter than I ever remember it being. Drink, David commands. And while my brother is choking and clawing at his throat, I lap greedily and obediently at the blood spilling down his neck. David gets to work on the flesh, grinding his bones, not wasting a single mouthful of meat. Wait, he says. I watch, mesmerized as the smoky haze begins to drift towards the ceiling. That same sucking noise starts, and I turn to David to see his eyes closed and breathing in deeply. He inhales the mist as though it's fresh air, not the soul of my dead brother. We can't let him have it. Can we? He says. We continue the meal until my brother is just a puddle of flesh and bone. My mother is next. She's putting up a good fight. Throughout all the choking and screaming, I feel nothing. Only relief when she finally ceases. Father goes easily. Such a weak man. Well done, David says, smiling his cheesy grin. He's back to human form patting me on the shoulder as though I've just caught my first fish. We walk out the doors together, with his hand still on my shoulder. I think of him as my new father now, a proper role model. He clicks his fingers and the building that couldn't burn catches a light immediately. It gives off a tremendous whoosh as the flames dance across its bones, as though it's emitting a sigh of relief to finally be lifted from the curse. My father himself blessed this building once, as soon as it was finished. How weak he was. We need to recruit, David says, ready for next Halloween. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. The Right One was written by Mark Towes, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by JCM Canada and Tom Robson. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Arrington for the hot lava eruptions of content he spurts from the end of his social media volcano. Hashtag Pompeii. Be sure to go and follow Mark Towes over on Instagram at at TowseyWrites. That's Towsey spelled T-O-W-S-E-Y writes. And find more of his work at MarkTowesDarkFiction.wordpress.com. Justin Fife is an audio producer, amateur voice actor, podcaster, and video game lover. You can follow him on Twitter at at JustinBFife. Do you want to learn how to write scary stories? Well, why not join our Getting Started Writing Short Horror Stories mini-course? Over the last five years, the Hawk and Cleaver Studio has edited and published over 400 short stories, and we've read so many that the mere thought of the number reduces most men to tears. I don't mean it makes men cry, I mean it melts them down to blubbering puddles of goo. Now we're finally opening up our studio to help other writers improve their craft, polish their stories, and scare the pants off of unsuspecting readers. I didn't expect that! said one unsuspecting reader. Whilst we can't guarantee you'll be the next Stephen King or Joe Hill or Tabitha King or any members of the King household, 
because Zurotel makes sure you get your short story written. Give it a nice look of paint and a good polish and get it ready to ship out into the world. There are only seven spots left as of recording this, so head over to theotherstories.net forward slash mini course and sign up today. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time. <laughs>